Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. This is part two of a message entitled, Why You Don't Receive a Return on Your Giving. If you missed part one, here's a little recap. We would run our credit cards up for perishable things, but very few people would run their credit card up for information. You and your girlfriend have bought Starbucks for $1,500, and the Starbucks is gone, and the information could have helped you to build wealth it is because the way we think about money, it's the mentality that is holding us back. It's not you giving your tithes and giving your offering. It's your mentality about money and, 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 and what you feel you should be doing with that money. And no one has sat down to talk to you us. You are a money-making machine. Write it down. You're money-making. Notice the word money-making. You are a money making machine. So your limiting beliefs about money is going to be replaced when you believe this liberating truth that God wants me to be wealthy. That's going to liberate you. We talk about wanting more, but very few people have skin in the game when it comes to making money. Very few people will invest in attaining the necessary knowledge for money. Very few of us grow up around the table talking about money. Very few of us have friends that have access to information that would help us to make better. Money is a symbol of substance. It's just a symbol. It's not substance itself. It's a symbol of substance. The Bible talks about Job being rich in substance. The Bible talks about Abraham being rich in substance. Solomon was rich in substance. So money is only a symbol of substance. Why have the symbol when you can have the substance? Number four, money is an economic concept. And every concept has a context. And if your context is wrong, your conclusion about everything is going to be wrong. And so we have the wrong context for money. Money is only a means of exchange. That's all it is. Number five, money is energy represented in physical form. And you've got to get this. Money is energy represented in physical form. I could do... You all felt that, right? (laughs) 
your mindset is going to change. You don't chase after this. You want the substance. Do you understand? You don't want a symbol of wealth. You want the wealth. The first law of thermodynamics says this. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. So that means that if money is a mere representation of energy in physical form, you can destroy the physical form, but not destroy the energy. I give you power. I give you the energy to get wealth. You want to work for money. You want to keep praying about money, but I'm going to give you the energy that money represents. So that means that if you want to take that power and make $1, go ahead. But it takes the same amount of power, the same power to make 10, the same power to make 100, the same power to make 1,000, the same power to make 10,000, the same. You haven't changed the power source. You don't need another person around you that's broke and disgusted. You don't need another one around you. Ask God, open up a prophetic door for me to walk out of this network into a new network. Give me the network. Give me the ability to network amongst the billionaires. And when God opens that door, you have to change your protocol. Because there's a protocol for every station in life. There's a protocol for every dimension. There's a protocol for everything. And a lot of our protocols are going to keep us in lack. So God will open a door. But what we don't do, we don't ask God, what is the protocol? All right, now hit that share button and help us spread this message around the world. Tonight's teaching is going to transform the way that you think about money. And Dr. Trim is going to end out with a life-changing prayer to break the spirit of poverty off of your life. Get ready because this message of empowerment is coming at you right now. Let's look at Job chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. We're talking about the form of energy. The Bible said there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so so that this man was great of all the men of the east. Now, he feared God. And God increased his substance. But there came a time when he lost everything. And the scripture says what? The thing that Job feared. So as long as he was maintaining a positive mental attitude, an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of faith, God sustained him. But the moment he allowed fear to enter, so did his economic station and status change. When energy is exchanged for money, It is called work. It's called a profession. It's called a hobby. It's called a hustle. When you hone your energy, it is converted into skill. And when you can hone your skill, it's converted into wealth. Look at Proverbs 10 and 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. So if you have pure energy, 
It's how you convert your energy. What are you doing? Are you just sitting home praying? Are you just sitting home watching everyone else succeed? Are you just sitting? What are you doing with your energy? How did you spend your energy today? How did you leverage your skill? Not just work. You're working for someone else. How did you work for yourself? What, 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 what new thing did you do? Did you study something? Did you hone your skill? Did you try to get better at what you do? I want to, you know, I, I, I train leaders and I have a leadership institution. So I can't, I, I just can't go off of the skill that I had 20 years ago. I, I, I had to go back. And I, I, I didn't just go back to a theological seminary. I went back to the high, one of the highest educational institutions to learn more about leadership. So last year, I honed my skill again. Where did I go? I took my energy on, on uh, British Airways and hung out at Oxford. Why? Because I'm honing my skill. I'm polishing it. Because I'm going to convert it. So this year, what am I going to do? Use my money. Where am I going to hang out? I'm hanging out at what? Harvard University. Why? Because I advise governments. I advise heads of state, CEOs, industry leaders. So I, I, I can't just be a pretty face and, and a theologian. After I speak in tongues, you all know what you put in the offering bucket. Are you getting this? So I had to do what? Hone my skill. You cannot just get a degree 10 years ago and not hone your skill. You can't just be called into ministry and not go to seminars, read books. How many books did you buy this week? How many did you read? I'm not talking about the books that you packed up from when you were in undergrad. Because we kept those undergraduate books. Have you noticed we haven't cracked that book since undergraduate? <laughs> Why? Because the knowledge is obsolete. And, you know, I, I was sitting uh, today with one of my staff members and, you know, really excited about the technology that we're using. And I turned and I said, one day, this is just going to be archaic. We're excited about it now. But now, you know, people, uh, industries are, are being pushed forward. You have disappearing buildings now. Because an architect said, what, what, what would happen if we can just have a building that disappears three hours a, a day? And so right now they're building it in the Middle East. It's hard to imagine. But someone is honing their talent, honing their skill. How are you investing in the honing of your skill? Like attracts like. So you're attracting to you people that have the same energy that you have, the same mental, the same intellectual, the exact same. You've got to upgrade. And you've got to start thinking at another level. Number three, there are three forms of cash. We know there's cash, there's bank reserves, and there's bank deposits or the credit bank liabilities. And all of that works by an algorithm. The next one is, I'm talking to you about money. Money is a defense. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 and 12, wisdom is a defense, money is a defense, but the excellency of knowledge is the wisdom, is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So wisdom is a defense, D, to remove, fence, barrier. 
So that means as long as you don't have wisdom, you're always going to have barriers that prevent you access. But the moment you have wisdom, the barriers are removed and you have access. You have access to networks and knowledge. You have business opportunity. You have access. The Bible encourages us to make friends with money. You need a millionaire makeover and a billionaire brain because most people are afraid of money. People say that money is the root of all evil when in fact it's not. The love, that's it. The love of money is the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with money. God said make friends with it. Know what turns money on. Know what makes money tick. And this is the instruction that God gave us. Number nine, why do people end up giving and giving and they don't have a return on their giving? The next reason is they fail to apply what they have learned. So we get teachings, Philippians 4, 9 to 15. So we get taught and taught. You're going to be, you're being taught tonight. So how many of you are going to go back home, crack open your notes and apply one or two principles? You've got to be able to say, you know, out of every message, every sermon, every book, let me take at least one thing that I'm learning and apply it. And if you do it every day, every time you hear knowledge, do it every day. Every time you extrapolate information. When, 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 when you are with in the people that are further than you, ask questions, refuse to give answers. Let people give you answers. A lot of people sit around with, with really powerful people and they have these empty conversations about what they're done and what they wrote and what, listen, shut it down and learn the art of the question. Learn, if you get with powerful people, formulate at least one question you're going to ask them. Don't, don't give answers. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Can I, can I just have a few minutes to ask you a question? So what you've been up to? Nothing much, but can I ask you a question? What have you been up to? Do you see that? What you been up to? Oh, well, we went to the movies and then we drove along the same highway that we've been driving along for 20 years. And, you know, there was an accident on the road. And then we went home and sat on the same couch watching the same television show with the same actors and they're growing old now. And we do the same thing. We're sleeping in the same bed, doing the same thing. And I want to take up your half an hour telling you about the same thing that I've done for 20 years when I can extrapolate what you've done for 20 years and walk away with principles to change what I've been doing. Yes. Are you getting this? Yes. Learn the art of the question. But you've got you've to apply what you've learned. Those things, uh, Paul said, which you have both learned and received. There's some things that you learn, but you don't receive them as relevant for yourself. So you learn it and you receive it as relevant for yourself and heard and seen me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from the Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. In other words, I taught you, but you applied it. Number 10, the next one, number five, I think it is. Ignorance concerning the new rules of money. So making money is the old rule. Converted it into things such as travel and status is the popular and trending rule. But leveraging it into wealth is the new rule of money. 
Deuteronomy 8.18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God for the seed that gives thee power to get wealth. So why do you want money? Money can be used to feed the poor, poured into research to develop a cure for cancer, educate children, feed the hungry, give shelter to the homeless. It's a mean to an end. The end is to have a create, have created a treasury of wealth to be able to live, thrive, succeed, and progress. That means you're fulfilling your purpose, maximizing your purpose, make a difference in this world by solving problems, addressing issues, and meeting needs, and leaving and inheritance. This is what someone once said. The real measure of your wealth is not how much you'd be worth. The real measure of your wealth is how much you'll be worth if you lost all your money. The real measure of your worth or wealth is how much you'll be worth if you lost all your money. So if you lost all your money, how much are you worth? Number uh, six, the reason why we don't have a return on our giving because we have the wrong motives in giving. We, we expect to receive from the people we give to rather than God. So we end up getting angry. So, so we give to someone expecting that person to give back to us. And then we got to get upset when they don't give to us. And the same thing happens with church. So we come to church, we give the church money, we fall on hard times, you call the pastor, the pastor says no, and then you're mad and you leave the church. So our motives have to be challenged. The reason why we don't receive a return on the given is because we fail to hone our skills and master our talents. So when you are able to hone your skill, you're able to dominate an industry and you're able to demand money. When you hone your, hone your skills, you can dominate an industry and you can demand money. So let me give you an ex exchange. If I take a tennis ball in my hands and I go out and I say, oh, I want you to endorse me. My name is Cindy Trim and I've got this tennis ball in my hand. They're going to just call somebody and, and pick me up in a padded wagon and they, they're, we don't know you. Have you ever played tennis? No, but, but I've seen Venus and Serena play it. But you haven't honed your skill. I don't even have hand-eye coordination. So if the ball comes, I promise you I'm not going to hit it, but I'm going to hold it in my hand. But watch this. Venus and Serena can go to that tennis court with a $6 tennis ball and they can demand 50 million and 80 million respectively. You know why? Because they have dominated their industry so they can demand the money. So some of you, some people can only demand minimal wages. Why? They haven't honed their skills. They don't have any skills in any area. So if you want to start demanding, you've got to dominate. And the way that you dominate, you got to hone your skills. How are you sharpening what you do? Are you going back to school? Are, I'm, I'm an author. So one of the things I say to writers, you've got to write every day. You've got to make it a practice, even if you're not publishing a book. And I tell them, write a thousand words a day. Now my, my calendar was full. So I had a blank piece of paper this morning. 
So at present, and I'm looking at it, I have somewhere close to 21,000 words. And my calendar my, was full today. So how do I, do I do? I have to discipline myself. I have to write when I want to, when I don't want to. And I have to write every single day. I don't, I don't just want to be an author. I want to be a best-selling author. Are you with me? So what do I have to do? I have to hone my skill. Now watch this. When Michael Jordan shows up, <laughs> he could demand uh, a few thousand, maybe uh, 30 million. He could demand 30 million, 50 million, 80 million a year. Why? Because he has honed his skill. But I walk up with the best basketball and I say, I'm demanding, you pay Michael uh, Jordan 50 million a year? I, I just won 1 million. Ha, ha, ha. Why? You can't even dribble. You can't even throw it in a hoop. I, have, I don't have the skills where I have dominated. So I cannot demand. Are you with me? Those of you that want to raise, you've got to be able to challenge yourself. And here's the challenge. How can I do this, Dr. Trim? I want you to study your discipline one hour a day. Get a book and study one hour a day. And within the next four years, you will be amongst the best, if not the best in your industry. And if you are amongst the best or the best, trust me, they will come looking for you. They will come looking for you. All right, Tiger Woods. I live in a golf course. I can hit a golf ball for nothing. Why? Because I love the beauty of a golf course, but I haven't been out on the golf course. Now, I've got the, um, the gloves and all of the other stuff, right? And I should be hanging out. I go out every now and then, but that's just to walk. <laughs> so I'm going to my golf club uh, and say to them, hey, I want to I wanna play in one of your competitions. And I bought a golf ball. It's the best one. I heard Tiger Woods use this golf ball. Well, how, how long have you been? I haven't been playing at all, but I, I, I imagine in my mind. And how much are you demanding? Well, Tiger Woods in, in his heyday uh, was making 86 million. Uh, that does in, doesn't include the endorsements. 86 million. So how much you want? I was just thinking 10% of that. Eight million would do. <laughs> They're going to laugh me to shred. Why? Because I didn't discipline myself. I didn't hone my skill. Now, Beyonce, I think I could sing. His eye is on the sparrow. Mahalia Justin sang it like that. And I know... He's watching me. I see because I'm happy. I'm feeling it now. I sing because I'm free. Oh. 
I'm getting it. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he's watching. And I know he's watching. <laughs> and I know he's watching me. <laughs> so I'm going to Arista Record. Can you give me a standing ovation? Can you give me a standing ovation, please? Now, I'm going to Arista Record and told them I sang Pitch Perfect, my pitch. And I got a standing ovation. And they're gonna ask for my demo. Beyonce made a pretty good bit of money, about 300 million. So I just want a tenth of it. Three million would do. Arista Record is gonna call the police. <laughs> Why? Because I may have skill, but I haven't honed it. The reason why we don't get a return on our giving is because God gives us skill that we don't hone. We fail to maximize our potential. We are not in the spirit, right spiritual place. God said to um, Elijah, I want you to go uh, by the brook called Cherith and I'm going to feed you there. Suppose he said, I don't like brooks. I can't stand brooks. Every time I think of Brooks, I'm going down by the ocean. Guess what would have happened? God would have provided his meal every single day at the brook, but he would not have been in the position. A lot of us, that's in the natural. A lot of us are not in the right spiritual position. And so God is releasing strategies. But because we are upset, we're angry, we're indifferent, we are not in the position to receive the strategies that God has given for us, to us. A lot of us are bitter with our old boss. We're bitter with people. We're bitter with the church. And it, that pulls us out of the realm of wealth. And so we don't receive a return on giving because we are not in the right spiritual place. We don't receive a return on the giving because there's a curse on our purse. Malachi 3, 8 to 10, will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offering. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse that you may have meat in mine house. And prove me now with, save the Lord of hosts, if I will not open um open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. Now, this is very important because the Bible doesn't say that you are cursed. And we've got to be careful of that. You see, when you don't pay your tithes and offering, um, there's a curse on your purse, but you are not cursed. So <laughs> we've been manipulated to believe that we're cursed, but you're not. <laughs> cursed is every man that hangs on the tree. So the blood, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, he took away the curse from us. 
And when you accepted him as his savior, your savior, the curse is lifted. But there could be a curse on your purse. When you refuse to give the tithes and the offering, and I had to learn that. Number, number uh, I don't know what number one, your offering is unacceptable to God. So you bought an offering, but your offering is unacceptable to God. Now, it might have been acceptable by your pastor and accepted by your church, but God hasn't accepted it. Look at Amos 5.22. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them, neither will I regard the peace offering of your fat beast. Your, your fat beast. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 12. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So in other words, you're giving, but you're giving begrudgingly. Like someone has to come up, and then they've they got to put the fear of God in you, and then you give, and then you're mad about giving. This is not your conviction. Someone always has to, to, to tell you, uh, if you give, God is going to give you a house and a mansion and a deluxe apartment in the sky. They've got to make all these promises to motivate you. It is not your conviction. And then you're resentful every time is seed time. You're resentful every time a, 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 a pastor gets up and say, look, I want to teach you about the thousand dollar seed. And so your soul just shrivels up. You get mad. Your arms are crossed. Your feet are crossed. And, and you're, you're just mad. Now you say things like all preachers want is money. And that happens. You don't say it out of your mouth, but it's in your spirit. So then after they wait a whole 30 minutes and you decide, I'm getting up because I'm sick of being here. So you get up, you bring your $50, your $5, and you walk off mad. The church receives it, but it's not received by God. Because you're not doing it from a willing heart. Someone has coerced you. Number, the next one, uh, we don't receive a return on our giving because we lack productivity. We, 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 we go home, God gives us ideas, but we don't work the ideas. We don't bring the ideas to fruition. Number, the next one, having ought against a brother. So you bring your, you bring your tithes, you bring your offering, but you've got attitude against this person. You've got, uh, unforgiveness against another person and you're sitting there. Matthew 5, 22, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But who shall ever say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So the Bible goes on to say, if you have ought against your brother, bring your gift, lay it on the altar, and then go to your brother and get it right. In other words, don't blame the church for church hurt. A lot of people blame the church and then they, they, they withhold their tithes and they withhold the offering, but like attracts like. So not everybody was attracted to the person that hurt you. You were attracted to them. You got involved with them. So don't judge the person, judge yourself. Because if, if once you get right in your heart, you'll attract the right people. <laughs> you know something? If you want to know who a gossiper is, invite them to your church. And if they join, watch who they hang with. 
If they migrate to gossipers, well, they came in as a gossiper. If they migrate to the prayer warriors, if they migrate to the ushers, if they migrate to volunteers, that's who you have on your hand. It never fails. So if you go to church and you end up hanging around gossipers, you brought that gossiping spirit with you. So when they start gossiping about you and you're a part of that crew, I used to work back in the day with troubled youth. And the parents used to come to me and say, my son got mixed up with the wrong children or with the wrong group of people. And I said, have you ever thought that your son might be the wrong group? We never think about our children being the wrong crowd. We think of everybody else being the wrong crowd. But your son was attracted to the wrong crowd because he had wrong in him. Because not everybody is attracted to the wrong crowd. Why don't we receive a return on our giving? Because we have messed up prior priorities. We don't prioritize. We don't, we don't budget our money. And there are some people that don't know how to budget, so they have good hearts, so they get paid the 1st and the 15th of the month. So what they would do is they'll spend all the money from the 1st, and then the 15th, they don't have enough for their bills. So they're always borrowing. If they would just stop, not use their money until their bills are paid, and then pay all their bills on the 15th and start... The cycle, instead of starting it on the 1st, start it on the 15th and make that your cycle of spending. So whatever you have left over on the 14th, that's what you got left over. And then you start again the 15th. So if you know that you have to pay your mortgage and you get half of your salary on the 1st and half on the 15th and you have enough to pay a quarter on the 1st and a quarter on the 15th, you park the first quarter aside. You don't have extra money. So you've got to learn how to live on a budget. Live on a budget. The why we don't return, we don't have a return on our giving. Are you getting anything out of this? Okay. Because we have inordinate affections. So number one, self-indulgence. Self-indulgence. You take care of everything else except what is important. We're a slave to money. Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will hold the one and despise the other. You can serve God and mammon. So you make God your Lord, but mammon your friend. That's what you do. Number three, we're worldly. Number four, we're lovers of money. Number five, ministerial underhandedness. Number six, Pride. Listen to what God says. Psalm, Psalm 75, 4. I said unto the fool, deal not foolishly. And to the wicked, lift not up thine horn. Proverbs 15, 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the, wild, of the widow. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble spirit. We do not receive a return on our giving because of greed. Greed. Because of greed. Numbers 1134. 
Number 15, because of covetousness. The Bible says in Exodus uh, 20, verse 17, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor thy manservants, nor thy maidservant, nor the ox or ass or anything that is, is, is thy neighbor's. So it goes like this. This is a covetous spirit. So you walk in with a nice purse. A covetous spirit doesn't want to work for their own purse. They want you to give them that purse. You drive up in a new car, but you have three cars. A covetous spirit doesn't want to work for their car. A covetous spirit would say, you have three cars, give me one of those cars. A covetous spirit always wants what you have. They never, they never, they're not going to celebrate what you have. They want what you have. Oh, that's a nice chain. Can I have that chain? That's a nice pair of shoes. Can I have those shoes? That's a nice eyeglass. Can I have the eyeglass? Oh, I love your skin color. Can I have your skin color? No, I'm only joking. <laughs> but they always want what someone else has, not knowing they can have their own. And this is covetousness. This is why people end up in extramarital affairs. You don't want to get your own husband. You want someone else's husband. You don't want someone else's wife. You don't want your own wife. You want someone else's wife. That's covetousness. Just celebrate that person. I love what you have on. Lord, can I have my own? Learn the art of celebrating what you want to attract. That's nice. But I don't need to get that from you. I want my own. I want my own blessing. I want my own car. I want my own house. But you cannot attract what you resent. So you cannot go, if you live, say, for instance, um, in a uh, neighborhood that whose socioeconomic uh, collective uh, network is beneath the mean or the medium, is beneath the mean or the medium. And you drive through a, I don't know, golfing community. And you see people's cars that are out there with Porsche, Porsches and Mercedes Benz and Beamers. You see big houses. And you drive through and you start saying, all rich people are mean. And you start resenting stuff. Like the man that walks through first class. I bet you he's still a flying coach. Because what he did was resent. You cannot resent what you want and then ask heaven to give it to you. Because you're sending out two different signals. One signal says, I resent it. And another single signal says, I want it. That's too much confusion. Do you like it? Do you celebrate it? And do you want your own? Because God, and we're not talking about materialism here. We're not talking about materialism. We're talking about what God desires you to have. Mother Teresa only had two dresses, one pair of sandals, and a, and a bike. And that's all she needed. Because she, she lived amongst the poorest of poor. The poorest of the poor. But if she worked in a, at the White House and she showed up with one pair of sandals and two dresses and she rode a bike, she's not going to be working there very long. So God will give you what you need commensurate to your call. There are some people that have to jet set around the world. They need a jet. There are others that need a bike. 
Which one are you? People don't receive a return on their giving because they're dishonest. And we have to be careful of dishonesty when it comes to filling out our um, taxes. We, we, I, I know a very powerful, powerful uh, minister, very powerful minister. And very recently, they're fighting in a court of law because they claim somebody on their taxes that wasn't even living with them. So they wanted a tax write-off, and they claimed that. And so that was 10 years ago. So they got away until Uncle Sam decided to have a family reunion. <laughs> and now, you know, now think about all the money. Listen, it's, it's, it's not just the interest. It's the penalties. And, and if you've ever owned Uncle Sam for your taxes, even for a couple of months, do you see how the, the, the interest, interest mounts up? And then on top of that, the penalty? This sings a lot of people. So when it comes to your taxes, you know, just be honest. And then you could go to sleep. And when, you, when Uncle Sam has their family reunion, he's going to say, oh, I'm sorry, you're no kin of mine. Because you don't want to be kin of Uncle Sam. Because he's going to make you pay and pay and pay. So you're going to be honest. You're going to be honest as a business person, honest in all your dealings. The other day, I was um, in a grocery store. And they were counting my money back to me. And the girl gave me a whole bunch of extra money. She was confused. So usually I would just put it in my pocket. And this time, I just started counting it. And I said, ma'am, you gave me all this money back. And the lady behind me said, she gave it to you. If I were you, I would take it. That's her mistake. But although it was her mistake, I found out. I don't want something that doesn't belong to me. Especially if I know it. Disobedience. If God gives you an instruction to do something and you're disobedient and you don't do it. Unfaithful with money. In other words, you, you, you have money laid over here and it's laid out, but you've been unfaithful with it. The Bible says in Luke 16, 11 and 12, if therefore you have been, been not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to you your trust in true riches. This happens with many people that go into business and, and, and they, they, they will end up eating the profit before they're able to build the business. So they're in business for two years when they could be in business for 50 years, 100 years. They're in business for two years and the business goes belly up because they haven't managed what God has given them. So they were spending lavishly when they should have been saving and, 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 and pouring back into the business. And there's a lot of people who want to go into business and they're great entrepreneurs, but they don't know business principles. So they go and instead of investing back, taking the profit of the business, investing it back, um, you know, extending their product line and extending their product offering, a lot of people eat their seed. 
and, and, and what should be capital going back to expand and hiring the best and the brightest. They, 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 uh, ministries, it happens with ministries, it happens with businesses, it happens all the time. Because people are not properly managing what they have. Uh, failure to prepare. I tweeted yesterday, if God was to give you all your, all your dreams, if all your dreams came true, would you be prepared to manage it? If all your dreams came true, would you be prepared to manage it? If God gave you a wealth transfer of $5 million today, would you be able to manage it? Do you have a structure to manage it? Do you have a machinery to manage it? How are you going to legally manage it? And you better not say a savings account. So if God is going to, if God is going to make you a millionaire, how are you going to manage? How are you going to multiply that money? You can't just buy your aunt Bessie and your uncle Bubba the car, their dream car, and your cousin and your sister, you'll be surprised when money starts flowing into your life, how many friends and family show up. They're not around now because you don't have enough money. But if God were to give you an outpouring of wealth, you'll be surprised who's around you. You've got to prepare the next reason why we don't have a return on our giving, seduced into operating in a field that they have not been called to. So in other words, we go into fields and industries, we go into businesses, we go into ministries that God has not called us to. We just go. Many are chosen, few are called, some are sent, the others just went. And when we, oper when we are not operating in the correct field, we don't blossom, we don't bloom, we don't prosper, we don't grow, we don't succeed. Are you in the right field? We talk about planting in the right field. Let me tell you, a right field is right when God gives you the revelation to plant. It's going to be right for you. It's not right because I say it's right. It's right when you get the revelation to plant. So I could plant anywhere. A lot of people say, well, you know, that's not good soil. Well, it's not good for it's good soil for you. But the moment I get a revelation to give in this particular soil, it's right for me. And you could ask Isaac because the same thing that happened, it happened with the uh, uh, Philistines and the Egyptians. And everybody was planting in, in a similar soil. And no one was getting a harvest. And here comes Isaac. God said, plant a seed right here. And that soil that would not yield for a nation, yield for an individual. Listen to me carefully. Whenever you learn the art of giving and God instructs you and you understand kingdom economics, biblical finances, it does not matter what's going on in your country relative to its economy. They could be in recession. Your giving will recession-proof you. It will recession-proof your home. It will recession-proof your business. It will recession-proof your ministry. And you will have a harvest. When other people are losing their homes, you will be gaining homes. Because you're going to give by revelation. We do not receive a return on our giving because we waste our time. 
So the time that God gives you for productivity, you're using it to watch TV. And you will spend more time on entertainment than you would in innovation. If you are going to succeed economically, you've got to become an innovator. You've got to be able to take what you have and put your spin on it. And you have enough to become wealthy. You have enough to become prosperous. You have, be, you have enough to produce. You have more than enough. And even if it's just your intellectual property, do you not know you could monetize everything? A lot of you have friends, but the person that took it to the next level was Mark Zuckerberg. It's all about network. And he took it to the next level. A lot of people are beautiful. You have nothing but beautiful people. But Miss Haddad, Gigi Haddad, took beauty to the next level. All it, all it was was makeup. We have this one girl that's on uh, the um, internet that's an internet sensation. And she took off her makeup. She was wearing her makeup because she was a burn victim. And when she took off her makeup, she hardly has any hair. She hardly, I mean, her skin is, is, has been brutally burned. And when she, t when she took it off, you would say no man would, 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 would date her. But guess what? She took what she had she started makeup and hair, and you should see her followers. And even though people know they are following her because she took what she had, she used the art of beauty, and she honed her skill. And she takes it off, and she said, this is how I did it. This is how I do my eyes. This is how and you should see the following. It's amazing. Monetize everything you've got. And if all you could do is one thing, monetize it. Famous Amos, the only thing that Famous Amos could do is bake cookies. And he monetized it. The only thing that Colonel Sanders could do is fried chicken. He monetized it. Tina Turner is as old as the hills. And guess what she did? She monetized her legs. Are you hearing me? Monetize your education. Monetize your looks. Monetize your lack of looks. Just say, this is how I get up. I woke up like this. <laughs> but monetize everything. People monetize their hair. They monetize their lack of hair. There are women that wore, wear, wore lace fronts until they have no edges. I, I never heard the word edges until last year. I said, what's this big thing about edges? Man, do you know what edges are? Men, raise your hands if you know what edges are. No man, okay. Because you heard us talk about edges. And Ryan, you know, knows edges. <laughs> but someone is making money off of not having edges. Internet sensation. You know how much money that she makes? And she showed her paycheck. She don't have no edges, and she mixed together this cream with peppermint oil <laughs> and took a couple of pictures, and then she had a little fuzz week one, week two, week three, and then she had little chili peppers growing week four, week five. She monetized the fact that she lost her edges. 
What about the girl that doesn't have an arm? Everybody was interested. She gets a check every week from people that are advertising on her, on her, her channel. No arm. How I get dressed in the morning with no arm. Monetize everything. They have a paraplegic. He can't use his hands. He can't use his legs. And he shows, he shows how he gets up in the morning, how he gets dressed, what he has to do, how long it takes, how he gets in his wheelchair, how he brushes his teeth, how he gets in a shower, and he monetized that. And why? There are hundreds and thousands of paraplegics that needed to be encouraged. And he got on the channel. And what did he do? He monetized it. We are wasting our time. Monetize your time. Monetize whatever you can. Those of you that like chewing chewing gum, get you a channel. 50 ways to click. People say, stop that clicking. I will pay you to teach me how to click. I can't click chewing gum. In fact, I can't chew gum very well. When I put gum in my mouth, my friends always say, do you have to? Because I'm like, I, I lose track and then I forget I'm chewing and I'm like, no class. But people have taken things. You see, God made you an ideas generator. And because you are sitting depressing your incredible mind and your mind can create anything, all you have to do is harness your imagination. And we waste our time being entertained by someone else that is succeeding at your expense. Let me just give you a few more. We do not receive a return on our giving because we're associated with people that waste their time and then they waste ours. The next one, we fail to develop our gift. The Bible said a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great man. We fail to understand how kingdom economics, biblical finances work. Why don't people receive a return on their giving? They don't receive it. Number one, again, they don't know anything about money. Nobody taught them. They don't have teaching on money. They don't know that money is just a means of exchange. It represents energy. You can produce energy anywhere because energy is neither created or destroyed. That means the same energy that was around Solomon is available to you. And we just have to learn how to harness that energy. Money is a symbol of substance. Money is an economic concept. It's just a concept. We don't know enough about money. We do not receive a return on our given because we, we fail to apply what we've learned. We do not receive a return on our given because we lack consistency and persistency. We give today and then we take a break. And then we give in another five years and we take a break. And so we wonder why the harvest is not coming. We have the wrong motives. We fail to hone our skills. We've got gifts. We've got talents. But we fail to hone our skills. We fail to maximize our potential. We are in the wrong spiritual place. We fail to exercise our uh, our faith. We have a curse on our purse. We Our offering is not acceptable to God. Trust me, the church is going to accept it. But does God accept it? We lack productivity. 
We have ought with our brother. We are, we have messed up priorities. We have inordinate affection. We're slave to money. We have pride. We have greed. We're covetous. We're dishonest. We're disobedient. We're unfaithful with money. We associate with people that waste their time. We waste our time. We're seduced to be in fields that we're not called to. We fail to fulfill our purpose in the allotted timetable that God gives us. We fail to develop our gifts and we don't have an understanding of kingdom economics, biblical finances. This is why we do not receive a return on our giving. We got a lot to learn. I said where you said, and I said wondering why year after year, 15 years, 16 years, I gave my tithes, gave my offering, and I didn't have a return on my giving. And the first thing that happened after 15 years, there was a visitor to my church and I had the revelation sitting there. You are cursed with a curse. Your pocketbook is cursed with a curse. And I said, how could it be cursed with a curse? Because I'm a giver of my tithes and I'm a giver of my offering. And I give my tithes and I give my offering. How could that be? And the Holy Spirit took me back for when I was in university. And I had to pay to, to, to you know, pay tuition and books and pay airplanes. And I made the money saved up. And I went to school. It was during that period that I didn't pay tithes. And it didn't dawn on me because I was a student, but I was also earning money to go to school. It didn't dawn on me that that period that I wasn't paying tithes was the period that placed a curse on my purse. There are people that are here and you believe in giving. You believe in kingdom economics, biblical finances. You do believe it. But if you look back on your life, you have to ask yourself this question. Was there a season or a period that I touched the tithe? Was there a period when I decided I'm not giving? You are not cursed. The blessing of Abraham is upon you. But is your curse, is your purse cursed? Is it possible that God gave you instructions and you didn't do it because you were afraid of not having enough left over. Is it possible that you borrowed your tithe with the intentions of paying it back and you never paid it back? Was there a period in your life that you weren't giving because you were dissatisfied or disconcerted or you became indifferent? Did you just shift your life into neutral? Tonight, we want to get you back on track. There are so Many people that have prophetic words, your next in line. God has scheduled you with a head-on collision with wealth and luxury. Is it possible that you're not waiting on God? God is waiting on you. Is it possible that you have a curse on your purse and it needs to be broken? You do what you know how to do until you know how to do better. We're here to instruct you, to guide you. And once again, I sat where you sat. I sat with gifts and talents, abilities, but I had to hone it. I had sat with money-making ideas, but I had to work it. And you know something? Not very many people are going to give trade secrets. And if you knew more, you would be able to do better. You cannot start where you're not. You can only start with where you are. 
and you're here tonight, let's get you moving in the right direction financially. When we talk about destiny, we usually talk about this concept that's way out there. But I want to bring it home and talk about your financial destiny. Where you end up tomorrow is determined by the financial decisions that you make today. We're not going to think about what you didn't have five years ago or ten years ago. We're going to talk to you right now. We're going to have a simple altar call. And then we're going to break the curse from off of your purse. Then day by day, week by week, prayerfully God will give me an opportunity to continue to teach you. And you'll continue to have principles that will take you from where you are to where you have the potential to be tomorrow. So three simple altar calls. One, if you have touched the tithe, borrowed the tithe, been indifferent about the tithe, if you were between a rock and a hard place, but you never paid that tithe back, I want to invite you to come and let's break the curse from off your purse. Number two, if you have wasted your time, you've been indifferent, and you really need to get a reset. Dr. Trim, I've been sort of wondering and wandering away, but I want to hit the reset button today. I'm going to invite you to come back as well. And then number three, those of you that have business ideas. So let's take the first group. If you have touched the tithe, and, and, and don't worry, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that's going to come with you. <laughs> I'd rather have demons out and people talk about it than demons in and nobody talk about it. So if you have touched the tithe and you just need to hit the reset button starting from this week, let's get the curse broken from off your purse. Please come. Please come. Just come. You don't need to give anyone a reason. You did what you did, and now we're going to get hit the reset button. Hit the reset button. You're in between blessings, and you needed the tithe, and uh, you didn't pay it back. So let's go. Please come. Thank you for your honesty. So everybody that's sitting, you pay your tithes regularly. You pay your tithes every time you get an increase. That's birthday gifts. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I could have been sitting there. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Please come. I love when, when I have the opportunity because, you know, just as long as you're convicted, you don't need to be condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation. You shouldn't come to the altar feeling condemned. Just come being convicted. And as long as you are convicted, you're in a good place, in a good place. It's when God cannot convict you with the word. That's when you need to be concerned. Raise both hands. Raise your hand. There's nothing to be ashamed about. We do what we know how to do until we know how to do better. That was a strategy. Sometimes you feel like it's, you don't have any other way out and you really needed it. How many of you want to be a tither? your hand up. I, I, I want to be a tither. I need to be a tither. Dr. Shrem, I really want to tithe. How many of you want to underwrite ministry? Put the other hand up. Yeah. I, I really. This is what I really want to do. Because you really want to do it, God's going to supply the resources for you to do it. 
Some of you have nonprofit organizations in your bosom. And you're going to need a whole bunch of money to do what God has called you to do. And as you're doing it for your, your ministries, as you're doing it for the house of God, God will bring underwriters to help you. Those of you that have businesses, we, we want your businesses to blossom. Raise both hands. Let me ask you, are you in the right field? Are you in the right industry? Are you there because you need to make money? It's just a job. Or is this where you really want to be? Is this what, where, what you, where, where you really want to go? Is this the industry? I'm going to ask you another question. Are you working in the best jobs in your industry? Because sometimes you're in your industry, but you're in the worst jobs in the industry. We're going to ask God to put you in the best jobs in your industry. But let's get the curse broken from off your purse. Just say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I touch the tithe. And I've been wondering why it is that I'm struggling financially. Please forgive me. That was the strategy that I used. Although it wasn't the best strategy. Please forgive me. Now I confess. And I ask God. That you would give me another strategy to pay my bills and to discharge my liability and to create wealth so that I can live debt free. Thank you for hearing my prayer and for giving me. And God, I will never do it again. Starting from my next pay period. I will give you the first, and that is my tie. And then, God, I will trust you with the rest to carry every to to cover every bill. And Father, I thank you that by the fifteenth of every month, every bill will be paid. I decree, I am debt free. I live mortgage. I live in mortgage free mansions. I drive debt-free cars. I'm able to underwrite kingdom initiatives. Be a blessing to my family. To be a blessing to the orphans and widowers. To be a blessing for the to the elderly. And to be a blessing to those that will never return the favor. Father, I thank you because you have heard my prayer. You said that I have stolen your glory. Simply put, I have actually caused the cause and effect law to go into place where I withheld so you were not able to bless. But now I activate the law of giving and receiving. You said give and I shall receive of good measure Press to press down, shaken together, and running over, shall man give unto my bosom. I thank you now that I'm not only a giver, I'm a receiver. Thank you for open doors. Thank you that the heavens over me are open. In the name of Jesus, amen. Raise those hands, lift your heads, lift your head up to the sky, open your eyes, open your eyes, lift your head up to the sky. 
I decree and declare the curse is officially broken from off of your purse. In the name of the, the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. I decree and declare that the next step that you will take will take you into a wealthy place. Please step forward. I decree you are no longer in a place of poverty. In the realm of the spirit, you have now been ushered into your wealthy place. I thank you now, Father, for downloading new strategies, new principles, opening up their eyes, and in the middle of the greatest problems, let them see opportunities. I decree opportunities avail themselves to you. I decree a week of opportunities, a month of opportunity, a year of opportunity, a lifetime of opportunity. I decree the businessman and the businesswoman in you is now arising. I decree and declare there are going to be people that will bring to you businesses and opportunities and they will come. I decree that you will no longer waste your time. That you will no longer allow people to waste your time. I decree you will begin to hone your skill. That you would maximize your potential. That you would use your hour. That you would only have people around you that increases your net worth. I decree takers are removed from your life and only givers are coming. I call you blessed. I call you wealthy. I decree that the curse causeless shall not come. And I decree and declare the curse on your purse shall not, hallelujah, be transmuted to another generation. I decree your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren will not struggle like you. I decree the outstanding financial matters that you have raised to the Lord are being answered. I decree and declare you will never know another day of lack. You will never cry over, over money. You will never have a sleepless night where you're anxious about paying bills. I decree anxiety goes. I decree raises and bonuses. I decree people that overlooked you are going to recognize you this season. I decree you are moving into a position where you are considered the best in your industry. I decree the spirit of fatigue is lifted from off of your life. I decree and declare you are getting your energy back. I decree you will no longer spend money on pharmaceuticals or medication. I decree your health is turning around. I decree supernatural healing right now. I decree your courage is coming back. I decree those of you that suffered loss last season, I decree it's being restored this season. And I decree that God is answering your prayers. I decree tonight you are going to go to bed and dream. And you are going to wake up and God will give you the strategy so that you can live the life of your dream. I call you blessed. I decree that your personal brand is increasing. I decree your footprint in this earth is increasing. I decree you have no more restriction. I decree your zip code is shifting. I decree you are living in the best zip code. You are working in the best jobs. You are wearing the best, driving the best, eating the best. I decree that you are not only eating the best, you are the best. I decree you are a blessing to everyone that's with you. I decree you are underwriter. You are underwriting Christian initiative. You are underwriting Christian plays. You are underwriting Christian movies. 
You are underwriting ministries. I decree a wealth transfer comes to you and God gives you the vehicle in Jesus name. Now unto him who was able to do the exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think is according to the power that works in you. Amen. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.